Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the word. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 35. We're starting a new series this morning. It's a series called Steps of Faith. And it's a series that is intended to be an expanded expository study of Hebrews chapter 11. But it's hard to step into the stream of a book or a letter that is that wasn't broken into chapters whenever it was being written. It was it, it has its own flow and cadence. And just to say I'm going to step in at chapter 11 is uh, kind of a difficult thing to do because you really need some context to chapter 11. So this morning we're going to step back just a little bit to the, the end of chapter 10. And we're going to pick up there in Hebrews chapter 10 beginning in verse 35. The scripture says... Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. I want to preach for a few moments in this first lesson of steps of faith on enduring faith. The kind of faith you have to have to make it. As a child of God, would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the presence of God that I feel in this house and the two or three that have gathered together, Lord, to be fed of your word. And I'm asking in the next few moments, God, you move the messenger out of the way and let the message speak to the hearts and lives of these people, Lord. Let it touch them and transform them and change them, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. Her name was Florence Chadwick, and she grew up on the beach, and she fell in love with the water at a very young age. She started competitive swimming at the age of six, and she won her first victory in a rough water swim at the age of 11. Chadwick first made history when she swam the English Channel. The Channel swim was considered to be the greatest challenge available to swimmers of her day. The fact that less than 7% of those who attempt to swim across the English Channel complete the 23-mile trip is testimony to how difficult it is. But on August the 8th of 1950, after training for two years, Chadwick set a world record for the crossing, swimming from France to England in 13 hours and 20 minutes. And then on September the 11th in 1951, she made a historic return trip and swam back. Despite dense fog and strong headwinds, she prevailed through a 16-hour and 22-minute ordeal and became the first woman ever to swim the channel both ways. But the story that concerns us this morning happened a year later as she attempted to set another record to become the first woman to swim the 21 miles across the Catalina Channel on the California coast. She made her first attempt on July the 4th, 1952, and it was a televised attempt. It was an, it was a, a, it was an event that many in the sports world were interested in. She was going to do something that had never been done before. But the weather that day was dreadful. The ocean was ice cold, and the fog was thick, and there were sharks that prowled the water around her to the extent that several times during the swim, her support crew who followed her in boats as she swam had to use rifles to drive the sharks away from her. And while America watched on television, she swam for hours, pressing on and on through the fog. 
Her mother and her trainer were on one of the support boats, and they would pull up alongside of her every now and then and encourage her to keep going. But 15 hours and 55 minutes after she started, she was still unable to see any distance through the fog, and she finally gave in to the circumstances and ended her attempt to cross the Catalina Channel when she asked her support crew, pull me from the water, I've had all I can take. What she did not realize when she finally tossed in the towel was that she was less than a mile from the other shore. A mere half mile from her destination. She was incredibly close to completing the task, but because she couldn't see through the fog, she had no idea how close she really was. And because the circumstances enveloped her and she couldn't see through the situation, she didn't, she didn't realize how close she was to the other side. And after her failed attempt, a television reporter asked her uh, if what, what she could have done, what, what would have made her successful, what, what made the difference in, in, in the English Channel crossing and now this crossing, what has caused her to fail. And she told the reporter that if only she could have seen the other side, if only she could have been able to see her destination, she never would have stopped. But while pressing through the fog and, and unable to see the goal, she became overwhelmed by the sense that she wasn't making any progress at all. It seemed like Sunday after Sunday she put one foot in front of the other, but she's not getting anywhere. You know how that feels. Amen. It seemed like moment after moment, stroke after stroke, she's swimming through the water, but she just didn't feel like she was getting anywhere. And finally, with the, with the goal out of sight and with the thick fog enveloping her and the rough seas battling her and the prowling sharks coming in around her, it was enough. And in an uncharacteristic moment of weakness, she allowed that which was seen to overwhelm that which was not yet seen. Losing the sight of the goal, she surrendered to her circumstances. And with over 20 rough miles behind her and less than a half of a mile ahead of her, she gave up. When the writer of Hebrews took his pen in hand to write the letter that we call the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, he was confronting those who were abandoning Christianity to return to the ordinances of Judaism. The volume that resulted from that letter is undeniably one of the most richly profound books in the entire New Testament. Recognizing that his audience had an extensive background in the law of God, the writer presents an argument that is drawn from the prevalent themes that run throughout the whole of Scripture. It's a very scripturally based argument. It's based in the foundation of the law and the prophets. And those Hebrew believers had in many ways the same problem that Florence Chadwick had. They started out well. They started out on the right course. They started out with a fervent passion. But over time, their faith had begun to waver, and they were tempted to give up before they completed the course. The problem was that they found it easier to embrace the ordinances of a religion that they could see and touch rather than one that existed in the realm of faith alone. 
The tabernacle in all of its glory and splendor was still standing and the ordinances of the old covenant were still in place and they represented a very real and tangible approach to God. They represented a religion that they could, they could put their hands on and that they could see and they could measure. But the things that they, they could see became more real to them than the things that they could not see. They lost sight of the destination. They had received the gospel in faith. It took faith to believe. It takes faith to follow God. Every one of us starts out in faith. And they had grasped the truth of this new covenant in faith. That this new covenant that contains a better promise, a better tabernacle, a better high priest, and a better reward. But their stumbling block was the fact uh, that all of that remains unseen. That all of that remains just over the horizon of our faith. And none of it is physical. And none of it is tangible. And you can't lay hands on it and touch it. Uh, and it's a promise that's not of this world uh, it's a promise that's on the other side of glory it's a reward that is eternal instead of temporal and it's a faith that operates in the realm of the unseen that was the heart of their struggle that was their problem so the writer admonished the Hebrews not to return to the old covenant but to hold fast to the new and better covenant and he presents an extraordinary argument through the course of the book that is just as applicable to us today as it was to the Hebrews then. Our struggles may be different. Our temptation to turn back may not be the same as theirs was. We, we don't have the old tabernacle to contend with. We, we're not being pressed to go back to sacrificing lambs and, and fulfilling the ordinances of the law like they were being pressed to do. But there's still, the truth remains, there exists today the same temptation to allow the very real obstacles, the very real stumbling blocks of this life to overwhelm our faith and cause us to stop short of the promise of God. The heart of the book of Hebrews is a dissertation on faith. And the 11th chapter of that book presents the premise that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. The purpose of the chapter is to demonstrate that faith operates in the realm of that which is beyond our ability to see, that which is unseen. And that's in direct conflict with our very real tendency to put our faith in things that we can see and we can touch and we can understand. So through the record of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer demonstrates how the hero, heroes of Hebrew history possessed a faith that was not founded in the present, but was constantly reaching for that which was not seen. And so step by step, we see through their example what our life of faith ought to look like, what, it, what our life of faith ought to reflect uh, and the letter presents a perfect argument for a future tense kind of faith uh, a faith that's fully invested in that which exists only in the realm of hope uh, that which exists in the realm uh, of the unseen and so the faith that it presents to us is a forward-looking faith uh, it's a forward-facing kind of faith uh, and from that example we learn that our steps of faith uh, amen have to be forward-facing uh, we've got to be looking to the future uh, we see in their stories uh, 
what practical real world faith looks like uh, when it's lived out in the context of the real world. God called Abraham uh, and said, come out of Ur of Chaldees uh, and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham, having never seen the land and having never seen the God who called him out of faith, he began to walk. Out of faith, he began to follow God. And from the stories contained in Hebrews chapter 11, we learn that faith is an indomitable force in the heart of a man that neither gets bogged down in the present nor anchors itself in the past, but rather looks forward to the future with longing and desire for something more than what it has right now. While holding fast to the foundation of past blessings uh, and while pressing through the difficulties of the present moment, faith reaches for a better future. It reaches for a better tomorrow. It reaches for the promise of God that is as of yet unseen. It's a faith that peers into tomorrow in an effort to catch a glimpse promise fulfilled it's it's a hope that strains beyond what it can see in an effort to grasp that which has only been hoped for it's a faith that recognizes this may be where i'm living but this isn't what i'm living for Uh, this may be what i'm going through Uh, this may be my present circumstance this may be my present trial to contend with but this isn't what i'm living for amen this world is not my home Uh, i'm just passing through uh, and one of these days friend uh, I'm going to leave it all behind uh, and I'm going to lay hold to a prize that I can't see with my eyes uh, that I can only reach in my faith uh, but I know is there and that's what compels me and that's what pushes me and that's what causes me to continue in these steps of faith Hebrews chapter 11 is a testimony to the power of forward-facing faith. But it's the context of that testimony that makes it so powerful. It's presented as the evidence for an exhortation that begins in Hebrews chapter 10 and continues at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. And chapter 11, nestled between them, defines the faith that is presented at the end of the preceding chapter and is acted upon at the beginning of the following chapter. So in the latter verses of Hebrews chapter 10, we find the exhortation that leads us to Hebrews chapter 11. It is a passage that biblical scholars have said expresses the central theme of the entire book. Beginning with verse 32 of chapter 10, the writer presents to us a people that once had great faith but are now in danger of casting away their faith and wasting their lives. These are people who were once enlightened, had once received a revelation of truth, had once embraced the future tense promises of God, but now we discover them in an entirely different context. Now they're weary. Now they're overwhelmed. Now they're struggling under a heavy weight of the troubles and trials in their life. All the things that had beseeched them have worn them down once they stood fast once they held firm once they endured storms and struggles and trials but now they've come to the place uh, where their faith is wavering uh, and the very real challenges uh, of their present circumstance uh, are threatening to completely overwhelm them and if we were honest this morning 
each and every one of us have to admit that we have felt just like they felt. There are times when the darkness of the valley comes crashing in on us. There are times when the trouble and tragedy completely engulfs us. Times when circumstances and difficulties threaten to overwhelm us. And during those times, it sometimes seems that it would be easier to simply give in to the realities of this life. To toss in the towel and give up on hopes and dreams that we've only seen through the lens of faith. How many people have given up on the promise of God in the midst of some difficult battle? How many folks have cast away their faith in a, a futile effort to remain afloat uh, in the stormy seas of this life? How many ministries have been lost? Uh, how many dreams have been crushed? Uh, how many hopes have been vanquished? Uh, because people became completely overwhelmed by what they could see, by what seemed so real to them, while they relinquished their grasp uh, on the things that they could not see, on the dreams and the callings and the promises of God that were yet before them. How many have settled for the substance of this present life while forsaking the better reward that exists only in the realm of hope and faith? That's the reality that the book of Hebrews speaks to. It's a message of hope to those that are on the verge of forsaking the things that they've been promised in order to obtain the things that they can presently see. The writer's admonition to those that are embroiled in this struggle is succinct but powerful, admonishing them not to throw away their confidence in the promises of God from our text in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, he tells them exactly what they need. He says in, in Hebrews 10 and 36, for you have need of patience. The Greek word used there for patience is a word that conveys the meaning of patient endurance. It involves overcoming difficulties and withstanding the pressures of life. The, the writer, by using that word, is, is emphasizing the tenacity of patience that endures hardship. It's the patience, patience that endures trials. It's the patience that just hangs on and keeps hanging on. As a matter of fact, modern translations like the English Standard Version translate that word as endurance instead of patience. They say, for you have need of endurance. That's the point upon which Hebrews chapter 11 is founded. You need an enduring faith. Uh, you need a faith that will weather the storms of this life. Uh, you need a faith that will refuse to become grounded in your present reality no matter how bad it may become, uh, but will extend itself uh, with earnest expectation uh, towards a promise uh, that has not yet been received, uh, but remains just over the horizon of your faith. It's a faith that will strive and strain to break free from the present struggles and hardships of this life. You need a faith that will endure. Those that possess an enduring faith, the writer says uh, in the rest of the chapter, that they, they will endure to the believing of their soul. 
That's a faith that the writer of Hebrews is defining and giving testimony to in Hebrews chapter 11. So it's important that we understand as we embark on a, a study of Hebrews chapter 11 that the faith we're talking about is an enduring faith. It's a faith that is fully invested in things not yet seen, that, that doesn't have its weight in the present reality, in the present circumstance. It defies what we can see. It defies what we can understand. It defies what we know. Uh, and instead, it puts its confidence confidence uh, and things that remain unseen it's a faith that rises above the present circumstance and compels us to a future destination that we can't see with our physical eyes that's what the enshrouding fog of this life the the pressing storms that come in upon you that's what they're trying to rob you of Hell understands that if we can see the destination clearly, we will continue to press until we get there. So hell brings the affairs of this present life, the, the struggles and the chaos and the trouble and the turmoil and the fog of life uh, to envelop us, uh, amen, to endeavor to cloud our vision uh, of another world. Uh, hardships and heartaches uh, demand our attention and force us to focus on what we can see while enticing us to relinquish our grip on that which is unseen. Remember Florence Chadwick. She wasn't defeated by her own inabilities or her physical weakness. The swim across the channel was harder than the swim across the Catalina Channel. She swam 16 hours plus to cross the English Channel against a strong headwind coming back. But she couldn't swim the 15 hours it took to swim the Catalina Channel. Not because she wasn't strong enough. Not because she didn't have the ability. She was defeated because she couldn't see the destination. She was defeated because she lost sight of the reward. That's the condition that the letter of the Hebrews addresses. Sometimes if we're not careful, my friend, we lose sight of the promise that lies at the end of the journey. Sometimes if we're not careful, we lose sight of heaven. We lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of the things that God has promised us. If we aren't careful, we'll let our present struggles rob us uh, of our confidence uh, in a better promise that exists somewhere in the pages of our tomorrows and in the face of all the struggles and pains. The thing that will sustain you, the thing that will keep your soul uh, is an enduring faith uh, that refuses to let go of the promises of God. Make no mistake about it. When I talk about faith, I'm not talking about a vague hope that's founded on wishful thinking. I'm talking about a settled belief in the things that have been promised but have not yet been seen. Biblical faith is not a delusional stab in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is based on a confidence in the promises of God. What he said he will do, he will do. That's why Rahab hangs her scarlet thread from her window. Not because she has confidence in the word of two Hebrew spies. Not because she has confidence uh, in, 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 the, in the ability of that thread to save her. But because she has confidence uh, that what God said he would do, he's going to do. Uh, it's a settled belief. Uh, it's a settled faith uh, that says, I'm just going to trust God. Uh, his promises are yea and amen. Uh, his word endures forever. His word never comes back to him void it's that confidence that gives faith it's enduring quality that's the message of hebrews 11 faith is the substance 
of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The Hebrews' greatest struggle was the tendency to embrace the things they could see. Their biggest problem was that the things that couldn't be seen were in danger of being replaced by the things that could be seen. This present reality was on the verge of completely overwhelming their future hopes. So the writer said, cast not away your confidence. You have need of patience. You have need of endurance. You need to settle the issue of faith in your heart. You need to determine to hold on to your hopes and your promises at any cost. Hebrews 11 is all about reminding us of the true nature of faith. It's all about confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances or consequences or situations that arise against us. It's all about believing in what cannot be seen and ignoring what is presently visible. Faith causes our future hope to become present tense. Faith causes us to believe in a, in a reality we can't see and to walk in the confidence. Oh, I, I'm a child of the king. I belong, I'm a resident of a city called heaven. This world is not my home. No, I can't see it. I go home to a, a, a physical home every night, and I get up and go to a physical job, and I, I deal with the troubles and the trials and the bills and the, what the doctors have to say and all, all that stuff. It still assails me, but there's a faith that tells me this isn't all there is. This isn't all. All I'm living for, amen, my hope is in a promise that remains in my future. Amen. It causes our current realities to become subjugated to our desire for the glory of an eternal promise of God. It's the enduring nature of faith that will keep you through every trial, that will carry you past every obstacle, that will keep you to the very end. It's a faith to live by, and it's a faith that's good enough to die by. And that's what Hebrews chapter 11 tells us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24, Paul said, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Paul uses that same Greek word, patience or endurance. Faith is hope that dismisses what it sees. It's not based in what is seen, but it strives for what exists only in the realm of the unseen. And then with endurance, it strives for the promise. Uh, faith is all about what can't see, be seen. It, it operates in the realm of that which is only hoped for. Listen to me this morning. It becomes. It is so easy to become so involved in what we can see and what we can't understand, and what is really happening around us, that we begin to put our faith in people, that we begin to put our faith in institutions, that we begin to put our faith in tangible things. But what Paul's telling the Romans is that isn't faith. Faith that's founded in what can be seen isn't faith at all. Faith doesn't operate in the realm of what can be seen. Faith embraces that which cannot be seen. It's faith when it places its hope in that which cannot be understood. Faith is fully invested in that which is only hoped for. It believes what it does not see, and it discounts what it does see. 
This morning I come to this pulpit with a desire to encourage somebody not to lose your grip on your confidence in the promises of God, but rather to renew your faith in your reward. You have need of endurance. You need to grasp the reality of faith. You need to push through the distractions of your present struggles and catch a glimpse of your promised reward. Some of us need to get heaven in view. Amen. Some of us need to remember that God isn't finished with us yet. Some of us need to renew our confidence and our hope in a promise of God that says a latter rain will be greater than the former rain. Some of us need to renew our promise, uh, or renew our hope in a promise of God and, and a confidence in the word of God that says that he that goeth forth weeping... Uh, bearing precious seed uh, shall doubtless come again uh, with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him some of us need to restore our hope uh, in a promise of God uh, that tells us he's not forsaken us uh, he's not forgotten us uh, he's not abandoned us we are where we are because this is where he called us to be and this is how we get to where we're supposed to be step by step and yes a Sunday morning where the crowd is diminished to the extent that it is this morning is a part of that process. This is how we get from where we are now to where we're going to be. Your confidence is in the promises of God. It, it becomes a source of your faith. It, it, it's a wellspring from which your endurance flows God has promised and God has never backed up on his word he's never abandoned his promise he's never ever ever failed to fulfill that which he said he would do there's a good reason why the New Testament writers in the midst of so much persecution and heartache speak so often of their longing for heaven because it is their confidence in this future reward that provides them with the endurance to prevail through their present circumstances. I want you to understand that if you're going to make it through this world, if you're going to make heaven your home, you're going to have to focus your vision on your faith. Set your sights on the promises of God. That's the source of your endurance. That's the faith that will save you. Florence Chadwick waited two months before she tried to swim across the Chan Catalina Channel again. And in her second attempt, the weather was just as bad. The fog was just as dense. Everything was just as against her as it was before. The conditions were harsh and unforgiving. The water was icy cold. The sharks were still there. But something was different this time. With a confidence born of her understanding that was gained in her failed attempt, Chadwick reached the California shore in a record-breaking 13 hours, 47 minutes, and 55 seconds. And when asked what made the difference, she smiled and said, I kept a mental image of the other shore in my mind while I swam. Though the fog was thick, 
though the environment was difficult, though everything was against me, I couldn't see it with my eyes, but I got it in my vision. I got it in my heart, and I never lost sight of the destination. I kept telling myself, if I keep pressing on, I'm going to make it there. I kept telling myself, I am well able to endure this. I can't make it through this. My goal is just ahead of me, and she kept it in her sight. And as long as she could see it, she could make it. Let me tell you something about living for God. This is a race. It's not a short jog down the track. It's not a sprint of 100 yards. This is an endurance race. We're in this thing to win it for the long haul. And if you plan to succeed in your Christian life, you need the endurance that's born from faith. You need the endurance that comes from getting the prize in your mind and recognizing I'm living for something better than all of this. Uh, amen. There are going to be circumstances and trials and troubles that are going to rob me of all of my, my wealth in this world, rob me of all of my confidence in this world, can take away from me my health and the things that my family and the things that are so important to me, but it can't take away from me my promise. Hallelujah. That's what I'm living for. That's why the writer of Hebrews, after he presents the persuasive testimony of Hebrews chapter 11, picks back up the theme of endurance in chapter 12. And pointing to the evidence of faith just provided, call, calling them the, the faithful, uh, calling the faithful a great cloud of witnesses, he admonishes us to lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us. I come to this pulpit on a Sunday morning to tell somebody in this place, it's time to make up your mind. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep running. Amen. The only way to run this race is with endurance. The only way to run this race is with a patient, forward-facing kind of faith. The only way to triumph over life's current struggles and difficulties is to be fully invested in a promise that exists somewhere in the realm of faith, somewhere in the realm of unseen, somewhere over the horizon of your faith. Just like Chadwick on her record-breaking swim, got a vision of the destination in her mind that compelled her forward through fog and through obstacles and through all the conditions that were against her. For those of us that long to make heaven our home, we've got to get a vision of glory. We've got to get a vision of heaven. We've got to get a vision of the promise firmly planted in our mind and realize this is what I'm living for. And there's nothing in this world worth trading for heaven. There's nothing in this life worth trading for heaven. Amen. When we get that settled, the fog doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is reaching the other shore. 
The trials don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is making heaven my home. The obstacles and discomforts of this life, they don't matter anymore. The only thing that matters uh, is seeing the promise of God come to pass. Uh, Somebody needs to renew your confidence uh, in the promises that God has given you and settle it in your heart. Uh, This world with all of its trials and tribulation, it doesn't matter anymore. Amen. These struggles down here are only temporary and these tragedies are only momentary. Uh, This is all temporal and this is all going to pass away and the only thing that matters is that I keep my grasp on heaven. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13, Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press, I press, Press, high press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. High press because he understood that the endurance that propels us through this present life and to our future reward is founded in a confident faith that reaches forth unto things that are still before us and presses towards a mark that has not yet been obtained. I come to tell somebody in this place uh, it's time to press on you need endurance you need confidence in the promises of God for facing kind of faith in Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 the writer having listed the faithful through the ages gives ultimate gives the ultimate testimony of the power of forward facing faith he says looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He admonishes us to turn our attention to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Did you catch that? pain and the horror and the shame of the cross was made endurable for Jesus by the future hope of a joy that was set before him that had not yet been realized. It was the future hope of a a future joy that compelled him to the cross and compelled him to endure the pain and the suffering and the tragedy and the trial of the cross. is, is cursed uh, and any man who hangs on it is cursed and it's a, it's a shameful thing uh, but Jesus Christ endured it uh, because of a prize that was before him he is our example he is the author and the finisher of our faith and he found endurance through forward facing faith faith in his own word faith in his own promise faith in what he was about to accomplish Would you stand with me? Florence Chadwick's first attempt at the Catalina Channel would have been successful if only someone had been able to see the shore and recognize that they were only a half mile from their destination. If someone in one of those support boats had had the knowledge of just how close they were when she's ready to quit 
when she's ready to toss in the towel, they could have come alongside her and told her, you're just a half mile from home. You're just a half mile from the finish line. You're just a half mile from your destination. Uh, don't quit now. You're almost there. Don't stop now. You've almost made it. She said if only she had known, she could have pressed on. Right now there are some of us who are wavering. Some of us who are struggling. Some of us who may even be thinking about throwing in the towel. And I feel compelled of the Holy Ghost to come alongside you this morning and speak a word of faith to you. Don't quit now. Don't stop now. Don't throw in the towel now. You're almost there. Your promise is in sight. Whatever you do, don't give up on the race now. Victory is just ahead. Come on, somebody. You need the kind of faith that endures. Amen. You need the kind of faith that makes up its mind. I'm in this thing to win it. I didn't start out to quit somewhere along the way. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My trip. Treasures are not laid up uh, in this old world around me, but they're laid up in heaven, uh, and that's my goal. Amen. I know there's just a few of us in the house on a Sunday morning. You know, it's icy and cold outside, but I feel compelled to the Holy Ghost to remind you this is why we're here. This is why we do what we do. The faith that Hebrews 11 is going to show us is a faith that presses on, it's a faith that keeps going. It's a faith that keeps pressing. And I feel compelled to the Holy Ghost on this Sunday morning to call you to a place of prayer and just challenge you for a few moments this morning to, to reaffirm that confidence, to reaffirm that hope, uh, to reaffirm that desire. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. I'm not stopping now. I'm not stopping short. I'm not quitting here. Hey, man, I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on.